Happy New Year! It's your girl Ada B and welcome to the Talks with Ada B radio show on podcast streaming platforms. Miss the show on air? Then I've got you covered. Highlighting all the best bits of Talks with Ada B for your edification and entertainment right here. Although no topic is off limit, it is a clean show that is sure to leave you in both streams of laughter and bouts of curiosity, whilst putting you onto undiscovered sounds from artists around the world via Talks with Ada B's submissions playlist. Currently, we air twice a month on a Thursday from 7pm, so there's really no reason to miss the show. But make sure you follow the socials at Talks with A to B to know when I go live and keep up with all the platform has to offer. Enjoy! I first of all want to just, again, give a big shout out to Chris Brown because if you know me, you know that I'm a Chris Brown fan. I have been for a very long time. On and off, actually, for a long time, but definitely on in the last few years. This Breezy album, very impressed with it. Um, there were a few songs at the beginning I wasn't a fan of, but actually... Listening through the project in its entirety, I'm now able to enjoy those songs individually as well. Has great replay value, so I'm really excited to see how the songs are going to sit on the charts and what nominations are heading his way. Visuals as well have been really, really, really good from Chris Brown. The choreography on point as always. Um, So yeah, I'm just really ready for a tour, (laughs) if I'm being honest with you. Speaking of which, he actually debuted in the UK after 12 years at Wireless Festival. 1st of July, my birthday, um, in, in Crystal Paris. Crystal Paris? Crystal Palace, my goodness. And honestly, uh, my best friend got me tickets to see him. It was an incredible experience. I've never been to wireless before this. Never had any desire to go to wireless because I'm not really into festivals that much, if I'm honest with you. Um, but that was truly a fun day. I enjoyed myself from beginning to end. It was incredible. And seeing Chris Brown and the way men, women, boys, girls, Everybody was just literally, everyone lost their minds. Whether you were the security guard or the person right at the back, you could just see everyone's genuine excitement when he came up on that stage. It was an amazing performance. Um, he actually sung all the songs I wanted him to sing as well. It was like the perfect gift for me. <laughs> and I was close enough where I didn't, I wasn't like squashed by other people and, you know, couldn't see anything beyond people's phones. But I was also far enough that... Um, I was able to comfortably dance and, you know, vibe with the other breezy fans around me. It was really, honestly, a good time. Um, I nearly lost my voice. I nearly lost my voice because I was screaming to the top of my lungs in terms of the lyrics because I was like, oh my gosh, I have been waiting seven years to see this guy perform again, like literally. Anyways, that was amazing. He performed again in Birmingham along with Wizkid, Davido and some other artists and Nicki Minaj, Cardi B, my word, my word. Their fans, honestly about as deranged as each other. They always come for each other, but I feel like they're equally as mad as each other. Now, don't come for me. Do not come for me because even though I'm not a Cardi fan, I can respect her hustle. I love the fact that we've been able to see her journey, um, you know, her rise to fame. It's actually very, very um, inspirational. Even though I can't relate to her story, it's still very inspiring to me to see how she was able to flip her her, her traumas, her experiences into something um, that has rev- changed her life and the, and the future generations from her forever. Nicki Minaj fans, listen, I've been a Nicki fan from day, um, from her debut. Like, I've always loved Nicki Minaj. I will be honest, she lost me in the pop era. She lost me there, I'm not going to lie to you. She had a few songs like, boom, 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 baby. And that song with, um, was it Will I Am? I can't remember how it goes again. Um, yeah, so she had me on a few songs, but yeah, overall, Nicki Minaj lost me in that era. I was just kind of missing, you know, the classic Nicki Minaj, Drake, Tiger collabs, all of that, like Lil Wayne. Um, but... 
what cannot be denied is that woman is talented um, and she has revolutionised the rap game for this new generation. She absolutely has. And we know her inspiration is Lil' Kim. We know that. Like, I, I, I'm so tired of people always bringing up the veterans in the game. We get it. We know that she draws inspiration from that. And I think she also addressed this in a recent interview that she did. can't remember with who, which platform, but she did address it in an interview that she very much, you know, looks, still looks up to Lil' Kim. And this is someone that, you know, she attributes a lot of her... Um, her style and her ideas in terms of even like how she creates music videos, lyrics, uh, all of that kind of stuff. She she does attribute it to um, the early influences of Lil' Kim. So we know that Nicki Minaj is inspired by Lil' Kim, but we have to be honest, she still brought something fresh to the game. That is why she remained as one of the top female rappers for over a decade. There was no one that was rivaling her. So many people came and left. I don't even know who they are, where they went, but they didn't stand the test of time. Nicki Minaj has. So we have to give her her flowers. Cardi B, do I think she will stand the test of times in terms of her musical career? I don't know, because she does have some really good like anthems, like some bops that were very catchy, like Bodak Yellow, if we're being honest, even though it was a, a, a remix, it was honestly probably some of her finest work to date. Regardless, the fan love was a bit extreme for Nicki Minaj and Cardi B over the wireless weekends. And um, I just I just don't understand. I understand being a fan of someone. I understand supporting. But it's the obsession for me. It's the going to a place where, like, you, you, you don't even have respect for other people or even the artists that you're fanning over. You're so caught up in just wanting to be next to them, feel them, touch them, having them acknowledge you that you're not actually acknowledging the fact that First and foremost, this is a person who has their own feelings, wants, fears, needs, desires, and who may not, even though they might love what they do, who may not, in this particular moment of time that you're interacting with them, want you this close to them, or want you in their space, or want you screaming at them, or touching them, and all of these other things. And I, that complete lack of respect for boundaries is really concerning to me, because I just feel like that's not even just with celebrities, that's in general. Like People feel very comfortable these days doing things, touching with your body, in your personal space that, you know, before people just wouldn't do because it would be considered weird. So I don't know if it's just, this is like kind of like a, I don't know, it's like some kind of weird reverse effect after COVID where because we were separated now everyone's just wants to be in each other's space. It's like, no, keep, like, keep your distance. Like, quite literally keep your distance. Like, I don't understand why there is this need to kind of just do the most. Like, and what makes you think that even your favourite celebrity is going to want to acknowledge you or appreciate you when you are behaving weird like that, when you are just doing a bit too much and, and, and willing to even harm other people around you just to be close to them. Like, what makes you think that your, your favourite celebrity would then look at you and be like, oh, you're ready to die for me, so let me pick you out of the crowd and, and shout you out. Like, no, you're you're being weird. You're being weird. So that's just my opinion on that, child. Um, also, the barbershop story with Rihanna and ASAP Rocky, that was really cute. I liked that. That was a, You could just tell that was such an authentic moment. You know, he just saw something that felt and looked like home. And he was like, yeah, I want to get my hair cut there because they were already vibing to the Caribbean music um, and having a good time in there. And yeah, the guy still charged him, you know, the same price, which is, I think, just so telling of the kind of person that he is. Very, very humble because some people see a celebrity and they think, right, I'm going to charge you the most I've ever charged someone. But it's like, why? Just because this person has more money doesn't mean they have to pay you more for the same service. Do you know what I mean? But if they, if the person who has the status, the fame, the money, whatever, wants to pay you more, that's different. That's my opinion on that. So I, I love that whole interaction. And obviously everybody clamoured to see um, Rihanna. I cannot believe me and my best friend, we walked past that and didn't even notice that that, that was what was happening. Um, we were both filming. I mean, he's a bigger fan of Rihanna than me, but 
I, it was still would have been nice to have seen her like live in the flesh, you know, post baby and all that. But yeah, I just found that really funny that we were, we were just so focused on going home that we just were completely oblivious that this was happening. <laughs> um, right, bias. Love Island. Love Island, yeah, has been moving mad. Now, don't get twisted. I am not an avid Love Island watcher. When I started watching Love Island, I mean, I was watching it when I was still in uni. So this was a long time ago. <laughs> um, and it was my auntie who put me on. She was really into Love Island. She's really into reality TV. So she's actually the person that kind of put me on to all my favorite reality TV shows now. She introduced me to Love Island. And honestly, when it was just an all white cast, I'm not gonna lie to you, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. It was quality trash TV. I loved it. Like every episode I was glued to that telly. Over the years, I will say it dulled down a little bit. And I would say for me personally, it picked up when uh, we had Kaz, Josh Denzel, Wes. Uh, that season of Love Island for me is where it started to pick up again. And I started to watch again. Or moving forward, shall we say, to 2022 Love Island. I was confused in the beginning. I'm not gonna lie, she was a bit bored. I was a bit like, Okay, I don't really care for these people. Like, there's nothing really interesting, exciting happening. I'm not seeing how anyone's really going to connect. Like, who's going to be with who? I didn't care. So I skipped a few episodes. I left it and I skipped a few episodes. Kassam, just before Kassar and more, things were starting to pick up with Luca and Gemma. Dam in India were becoming Dam India or whatever the names people were coming up with on Twitter. <laughs> Some really, really funny names and hashtags were thrown around there. And people were so passionate. People are still so passionate about Dam in India. Um, to the point that when Dami and India actually broke up, people were just flying insults at Dami. But I can't lie, he was moving very mad in Casa Amor. So, yeah. And he did move on very quickly from Amber. So there was that as well. Danica, I'm very confused by her presence in the house. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm very confused by her presence in the house. Like, I don't understand. Like, because she's a, she's a pretty girl. Um, she is a pretty girl. Like, I, I do think that she's, you know, she definitely obviously has the looks. But something's not clicking because the girls are not really buddy buddy with her and the guys just don't seem to care for more than two seconds so i i'm really intrigued to know like what's happening behind the scenes we need more um we need more behind the scenes because i just need to know like what are we missing because i don't understand why she's unable to connect with anyone it's it's really odd i don't think i've seen it before in the island if if you if you can recall any other islander that's kind of been in a similar situation to danica let me know hashtag talk to they to be i i want to know because I, I have never seen anything like it from what i can recall um, so yeah, that's just a whole odd in interaction. And obviously with Luca, everyone is just saying that, you know, he sees Owen in German's name and he can just see Owen in his future. And I have to agree. Now I'm not saying that he, this isn't probably one of the prettiest girls that he's probably ever been able to speak to in his life. And being that she is young, but she's mature for her age, it, it kind of works out well. I do feel like older guys tend to like younger women because there isn't so much of a, too much of a power dynamic there. Um, uh, not power dynamic, sorry, uh, so much of a power struggle there. Um, but there are times when I'm like, this feels low-key like an obsession and I'm worried. I'm genuinely worried for Gemma. Like, I'm, I hope, because again, a lot of her exes seem to be a lot older than her, which is in itself quite alarming. And I get it, she is mature for her age, but she's still only 19, which is incredibly young. So no matter how mature you think you are at 19, you've still got a lot more growing to do. Um, and I... I understand that her experiences may be a lot different than the average 19 year old because she is exposed to a lot more things um 
because of her, you know, societal position, um, you know, her father's occupation means that she has just a bit more knowledge, a bit more access to things that maybe the average 19-year-old doesn't, but she's still 19. It doesn't take away from the fact that she's still 19 and her brain is still kind of being moulded and formed by all her experiences, et cetera, et cetera. So, yeah, I, I am concerned that older men seem to be very attracted to her and she seems to be equally attracted to them, but we'll see how this plays out. I really don't know if there's going to be a relationship with Luca and Gemma outside of the house. I personally don't see it, but... You never know. I didn't expect Molly May and uh, Tommy Fury to still be going after, how many years has it been now? I don't even know, two or three years. So, and they're still going strong. I didn't expect it. I did not see it coming. So, you know, stranger things have happened. <laughs> India and Deji, that little, like, <laughs> when she returned from Castro and Moore with a guy and he was sitting with Summer and they were looking at each other like they wanted to kill each other. Woo, that was tense. That was so tense. I felt it in my soul. I felt it in my spirit. I said, what is the meaning of this? And I literally called it. I said, those two are getting back together. Because the level of like, even though Dami, I mean, what do you call it? India handled it very, very well. I think she was so classy in her response to Dami. I could still feel that she was low-key like burnt at the fact that he'd actually fully had another girl sitting beside him. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like fully had another girl that he was interested in. And... I could, we all knew, we all could see it. Like, you would be blind not to see that Dami was burning. But Dami was burning. Um, but then Deji said to India, you should respect yourself when she said that she wants to get back with him. And I'm like, Deji, I hear it. Because he did say he's not here to waste his time. And India did initially show interest. But I think sometimes you don't know what you have until it's gone. And I think that's the case of, of Dami and India. Like, they thought they wanted something else. And then they realised, actually, it's you that I want. And they just, they said, let's not even waste any more time. Let's just get back together. Smart, smart choice. That's what I have to say. Jax. Ooh, Jax, Jax, Jax. What is happening? That boy, I, I said from day one, when he entered the house, I didn't like his energy. The way he came in is this entitled pretty boy. You know, I get what I want, at least most of the time, whatever his little uh, speech was. And I was thinking, you're not, I mean, yes, you are a good looking boy, but like, Literally, you behave like a boy. That's literally what I saw when I saw him. I saw a boy. I didn't see a man. And just very childish, uh, very entitled. Even the way he greeted the women, uh, was it Paige and Afia when they first, um, when he first came into the villa? Like, it was almost like, you should be happy that you're coming to see me, mate, not the other way around. And I thought, listen, mate, you've just come into the villa. If you want to secure your place, you know, you've got, to put, you've got to put on a bit of the flattery. You know, you've got to be, do a bit of the chivalry, be a bit of a gentleman. No one's saying be, you know, an absolute melt or... Um, a simp or whatever they call it, but you know, you, you can be a little bit more chivalrous than that, but he was acting very much like he is the prize. No one's saying don't be confident in yourself, no one's saying don't know your worth, but also don't be a dick. That's literally <laughs> it, don't be an a-hole. Um, so yeah, I mean, when Remy came in and was breakdancing and beatboxing and rapping and all that good stuff, and you know, he did say in the after show that Jax was a bit of a bully, and nobody disagreed. I was thinking, yeah, that sounds about right because he gives off the energy of somebody who like could be a bit of a bully. Not to everyone though. <laughs> Let's get that twisted. He knows how, who to pick his battles with. And as we've seen in the more recent episode where he told Billy to F off, I mean, you know, cause Billy's always smiling. He's always the happy guy, you know, <laughs> he's always got his teeth out. So, you know, I think Jack's thought easy victim there. Let me just tell him to F off. And kind of intimidating Paige in a way of like, tell me what you guys are saying. like. So, no, you, who, like, calm down. This is a show at the end of the day. It's a game show. Like, chill. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And every, it's not like you you were innocent in Castle Moore. You literally cracked on with other people. 
So I don't believe um, him being hurt over Paige is the entire reason as to why he's been kicked off the show. And I'm saying kicked off the show because I do believe he was kicked off the show. I think, again, from Remy's complaints, um, from his entry, to be honest, for me personally, I thought, don't like his whole demeanour, don't like his attitude, not interested. And then, obviously, Remy complaining. And then, obviously, what we've seen in more recent episodes, I just feel like a lot more things probably happened behind the scenes that we don't know about, and they had to make a decision because... Those editors were probably in the room trying to edit out scenes and they were like, you know what, we can't hide this anymore. We cannot hide this. This guy is crazy. Like he's every every other second he's doing something and we just don't have the we just don't have the time or we don't even have the, the clips or the resources to make this seem like something it's not. So something that he's done wrong is gonna have to air and when it does, we are gonna get complaints and so to kind of get ahead of what was inevitably coming, get rid of him. And that's my honest opinion. I don't know if it's true, but that is my theory. That being said, we can't not talk about Adam, the Mac Daddy from previous seasons of Love Island. Previous seasons, you know, the previous season, a previous season, I don't know which season he was in, um, of Love Island. And literally, if you type in Adam now, he comes up. Like, to think of all the things that could come up when you write Adam, it's, it's him from Love Island. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. But that just also shows how much, um, how many people are watching and how many people are searching what's going on every single day as things change in the house. <clears throat> I will say this, the people who are managing the accounts of these Love Islanders, whether it's their friends, their families, I don't know, PR agents, whatever, doing an incredible job, incredible job. Like honestly, the entertainment on Twitter is almost better than what you're seeing on the, <laughs> on the show. And I'm here for it. Um, especially whoever was running uh, Dami and, sorry, um, I even forgot his name, Ikenna. <laughs> forgot about that Ikenna and India's account amazing incredible job their chemistry online was mad I almost thought like are you guys a couple <laughs> do you guys know each other in real life because you got they were bouncing off of each other it was nuts quality quality banter but yeah I, I love the discussion around it I do love the inclusivity of it I'm not gonna lie to you I think it's great to see more representation I would love to see more Asian people on there as well maybe some Latinos as well I think that'd be pretty pretty cool I would love to just see um, a genuine reflection of what I mean I know Love Island is Love Island and it's not just people from London it's all over the UK um, but yeah there are more people in the UK um, than what we're seeing on screen so it'll be good to get like a, a bit of each in there and see how kind of like everybody connects and you know what kind of relationships can be born on the show but either way I have to be honest it has redeemed itself because the way it started I was not interested I was not into it I was quite bored and I just thought I have to let a few episodes pass before I listen to this again because ciao <laughs> it was literally doing my head in Already I've spoken about so much from wireless to Nikki and Cardi B fans moving mad. I've talked about Love Island. I've talked about Breezy's album, but I want to move on. I want to move on to some other things. I want to talk about some other things. Before I do that, please make sure that you're following the socials at Talks with Ada B. Ada B is literally spelled A-D-A-B, Alpha Delta Alpha Bravo. TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, we're all on there now. I'm really excited to get on the TikTok because we're doing visuals for the show now. So you guys are going to get to see the facial expressions, the dynamic, what, everything that's going on behind the scenes, um, as well as stuff that's going to go up on the YouTube as well. So you get to see snippets of that before it debuts. So yeah, make sure that you're following the socials so you are in the loop. But I want to move on to women on podcasts because I've noticed this really weird shift in the last couple of months. I thought 
the majority of women, at least online, were against men on podcasts because as far as we we were concerned, the men that we were hearing, the men that had the platforms, the men's voices that were being amplified, rest in peace, Kevin Samuels, Andrew Tate, um, who else? Oh, the Fit and Fresh podcast. Their opinions seemed to be very prehistoric and like they were stuck in a time that they never lived in and they were romanticising this idea of a, a woman being their servant, essentially. And I thought women on social media were in agreement that we didn't want to hear any of that anymore. And that if men didn't want to speak about men and things that were pivotal, pivotal to men's health, growth and betterment, they should be quiet. But it seems like there's another group of women who thought the best idea to counter this was to also get on these men's podcasts and start pandering to these men. Women that I actually liked once upon a time, when I say liked in terms of their social media personalities, the content they created on social media. I have been a big fan of YouTube, podcasts, pretty much anything to do with people documenting their lives, any platform, Vine, Keek, Ustream, any way that people were documenting their life, believe I was on there. I was on there at one point in my life and I was really interested in how people documented their lives, how they told their stories um, and how they created it, how they put it together, the editing, the sound effects, all of that stuff. So there's a lot of people over the decades that I have watched um and were was truly a fan of that in recent years i think in attempts to stay popular and relevant to a new generation who don't know who they are and quite frankly don't care who they are they're coming onto platforms where they know that you know these controversial um and triggering things are being said and they're saying things that i don't know if they wholeheartedly mean i mean they might do for for goodness sake they might truly believe this and this might truly be their truth but some of it feels a bit attention-seeking-ish. Could be wrong, like I said, I don't know. I'm not in their minds, I don't know. I'm not in their, their circle, I'm not in their teams, but just it's just such a massive change from who they were when they first kicked off their journey to what they're claiming to believe now. Now, don't get me wrong, because I always say on, on, on this show and on any other social media platform that I have, please do not hold me to who I was even one minute ago, because I may change my mind. Once I get new knowledge and new information, I might change my mind. I might no longer agree. I might actually agree. I might actually want to co-sign that and I might actually not. But my opinions, my views are subject to change and I give that grace to everybody. But it's the the it's the way in which it's changed. It's so extreme. It's like literally from one end to another that I'm like, what happened? Some, we're missing a big chunk here. We're missing a big chunk here. Unless it's just attention seeking, what are we not getting? Regardless of that, that's just me kind of wanting to kind of understand the more personal journey to why they would feel the need to go on such platforms and degrade themselves in these world in my opinion it is degrading because to go on a platform where you know there are men that openly speak about women in a very derogatory condescending demeaning way and then for you to go on there and and pander to that to me it's it's quite degrading um in my opinion but others may disagree other others might find it empowering others might say that's the truth though I mean, it's all relative, so please believe what you want. I'm just sharing my views and my opinions. So you're probably wondering, Ada, what the hell are they saying on these platforms that's got you going on like this? <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you. Don't even worry about that. I'm going to tell you. These women gathered round as if they were in a church meeting to come and discuss men, relationships, etc., etc. The same old, same old. And they basically said that cheating is the bare minimum. Now, if we're in a time and space where cheating is the bare minimum, I'm afraid that we are entering, truly this marks the end of times. 
truly for me this marks the end of times where we are saying that cheating is the bare minimum that we can expect from a man not roses not him being chivalrous not him being kind and caring to you not him you know helping you with things building you up you know not him uh i don't know just normal things no it's cheating that they said is the bare minimum and they would not leave their man for cheating then i started to look around we've got jada waiter here who the girls love and absolutely look up to getting cheated on left right and center and has already told us don't look up to me don't look up to me because when it comes to little baby i'm gonna go back cardi b done said the same thing and so many other women chloe kardashian so many other women who are in power, who are successful, who are clearly very intelligent and are doing amazing things with their lives. When it comes to men, just seem to not be able to apply that same logic and sense of wisdom. They seem to think that I've already been with him, I've already invested all this time with him, all this money, all this effort, I still love him. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not going to let another woman have the one up on me or say that I took him from so-and-so. But I'm like... How much of this is love and how much of this is pride? How much of this is lack of self-worth and value? And how much of this is time invested? Like, cause I feel like the lines are really blurred between all of those things. Because I do feel like the pride part comes in because let's just be real women. Women are in competition with each other. And I've always said this. I've always, always, always said this because I've noticed that from, I went to a girl's school and you could see that clear as day. Women are always in competition with each other. And it's unfortunately part of just the societal conditioning. We are literally trained up to be in competition with each other. So it's understandable that it manifests and plays out in different ways, in different areas of our lives, at different periods of our lives, but it happens. Um, um, but but the, the, the best thing to do is to be real with yourself about that and understand where to draw that line. You know, that's a topic for another day. The love part. I'm like, someone is continuously traumatizing you, triggering you, hurting you, disrespecting you, but you still say you love them. Now, a lot of people like to compare it to family. Oh, but when your family members hurt you and upset you, you don't just abandon them, you still love them. And in fact, I heard a, a comedian talk about this and I thought she was so real. You know, her and her daughter were having an argument. Her daughter said, you know, oh, you know, daddy didn't even want you. And she was like, honey, daddy wanted me, <laughs> okay? He was with me for seven years before we had you. He was with me faithfully for seven years before I had you. So I know, I mean, listen, the joke was like, if you don't have a dark sense of humor, then that joke is gonna go straight over your head. To me, I found it funny. I mean, yeah, it's peak, but it's true. He was a committed loving man to this woman for seven years, but didn't put a ring on a finger or nothing, but was still with her loyally, according to her, for seven years. But the moment she got pregnant, that's when the dynamic changed. And I feel like that happens to a lot of the relationships that we're seeing today. They're so quick to have babies, quick to shack up together, and then the relationship just falls apart. I don't know many successful stories. If you know any, let me know. I don't know many where that works. Again, I'm not saying that marriage is a guarantee, but there, the level of commitment that is required at marriage, to me, is more... So legally, financially, this man is responsible for you. And in some new relationships, vice versa. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You're responsible for each other. So to me, I don't care how much people, you know, want to talk about, you know, we're not in, we don't live in, you know, we're in the 21st century. It's not, it's not back in the day. Things are different now. But not everybody believes in God, blah, 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 blah. Cool, 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 cool. I hear you. That's fine. And by all means, do you. But when you have women sitting on platforms talking about cheating is the bare minimum, that's why I'm like, no, I think we do need to take it back a few chapters in the Bible because I think everybody has lost their mind. 
Everybody is losing their damn mind because cheating is not the bare minimum. And if you're willing to accept that, honey, please, with all love and all respect, let's figure out why. Let's honestly figure out why because that to me is really concerning. Just like Christian, that is one toxic and scary situation. Because Christian looks like a really pretty girl who was actually headed to do great things. She met a man that has continuously from day one disrespected her and dogged her out. She looks crazy on this internet. But this girl, when she, before she became who she, we're seeing today, was a high-achieving student, athletic, and was actually doing quite well with her music. But one man, and look at how we're looking at her now, she got her tooth taken out and replaced with a tooth that has blue faces face on it. Because of women on podcasts. <laughs> no, I'm joking. It's not because of women on podcasts saying that cheating is bare minimum. But it's because of the mentality that we have now about relationships and commitment. I'm sorry, but there's some things that are set in place for a reason. There are some things that are truly set in place for a reason. And I think one of those things is the fact that relationships are supposed to lead to marriage. I don't, that's my personal opinion. And don't get me wrong, I know that I've heard of people and couples who have been together for 10, 15, 20 years, never got married, they just lived together. I have, I've heard it before. I know of people, but it didn't last. Even after those 20 years, a lot of them still ended up breaking up and getting married, ironically. I'm not saying again that's a story for everyone, we know that everybody's journey is different. I'm just saying, women, Please. Cheating is not the bare minimum. And having a baby with a man does not mean by any means that he'll be loyal to you and love you forever. Because he can do the same thing that Nick Cannon, Chris Brown, Future and all these other men are doing. Go and procreate with somebody else. So don't fall like the chosen one because he planted a seed in you because there's a likelihood he might be planting a seed in a few others too. I'm just saying, that is not the commitment. The commitment is when a man is ready to literally do life with you that's my opinion that's the whole point of this experience of life is that we're all gonna have different opinions different experiences different viewpoints and that's okay they can all coexist one doesn't take out the other okay to my baby's born to my baby's born to my baby's born <sighs> i need to talk about this versus battle i'm actually not over it because i was so flabbergasted I was so flabbergasted by the versus battle because I just didn't see it coming. First of all, I didn't know there was going to be about 20 men before Mario and Amarion. I said, what is going on? Why am I seeing Ray J? Why am I seeing Bobby Valentino? Why am I seeing Pleasure Pete? Why am I seeing these people? I was so confused. And it went on not for half an hour, 40 minutes. It was nearly two hours. Because Amarion and Amarion, I don't know what the hell they were doing before the show, but they were very late. And it was just... I could, like, it was literally a comedy show. It made a whole joke out of comedy, out of r and I'm not going to lie to you. Mario was literally the only artist that took his job seriously. Pleasure P, he was hitting them notes a few times. Bobby V, when he was on the piano, he was doing his thing. Ray J, mm -mm, Sammy, listen, Sammy hit a note or two, but he was too wrapped up in his ego to actually pay attention to the notes. So he kept, you know, faltering. But yeah, I, I don't know what was going on with Ray J. They tried to blame it on the baby. I said, no, that's what you're not finna do. You're not finna blame it on the baby because who even told you to carry the baby? You should have just left him there with Princess on the side because they were happy and comfortable there. Nobody was calling for you. Nobody was disturbing you. Everyone was just letting you do your set. 
And then Ray J was seen, you know, at the BET was eating pot noodles. Like, I, I just I just don't even understand Ray J. Like he's I don't know if he's trying to be a comedian right now or he's just I don't even know what's going on. That he is to me like an older version of Soldier Boy right now. He's just he's all over the place. But one thing I will say is he knows how to collect that bag. That's one thing Ray J will do is collect that bag. Sometimes I can't even believe he's Brandy's brother. Imagine the brandy. Hi. Anyway, some people in life just have it easier than others. What can I say? But yeah, that whole versus battle, I love Omarion and I've been a fan of Omarion since B2K. I've never, like every transition of his journey when he first went solo, when he signed to MMG, um, his whole care package EPs, the sex playlist, um, his recent stuff. Like I, I'm a fan of Omarion. I am. Um, it does help that his fan is ever. Okay, that man is aging gracefully. Beautiful then, beautiful now. It's It must be a nice life. But, and his brother as well, Orion. Anyways, listen. Let me get myself back in the room, sorry. <laughs> that singing that Amarion was doing, I don't even know if it was singing. I just wanted to say, look, he just did a sold-out tour in the United States of America, the Millennium Tour, with Soldier Boy, Bow Wow, Lloyd, Ashanti, all of them man there, right? So I'm thinking to myself, maybe he's still tired, he's still recovering from that tour, because... Where, where was the voice? Every song I was like, oh, okay, okay. I hear the tone, I can hear the tone. That's Omarion, that is Omarion. I know that tone, that's Omarion. But the notes were never reaching anywhere. They would start somewhere, but they would end nowhere. They just end in the middle somewhere. It was just strange, it was such a strange. Then the watermelon, him grinding on the floor all out of breath. I said, this is R&B. You actually don't even have to be doing all of that. You could have just stood there like Mario did and sing your songs, sing your hits. That's all we wanted. That's all the fans wanted. It was just you to sing your hits. What is all of this that you're doing? Grinding, getting your brother out here to come and eat stuff. Like, I just, it was just too much. It was, there was too much theatrics. And then having Tank come out to sing his biggest song to date, like, it was just, it was too much, man. It was, am I really disappointed with that? I'm not going to lie to you. But I love the fact that he's still bold enough. Because, like, you know, the B2K members now start coming back to him and taking shots at him and stuff like that. And all of that kind of stuff. And he's still kind of, like, holding his own. Like, no, nah, don't, don't try to do that. <laughs> He's got a documentary coming out, actually, um, about that whole uh, B2K tour, Millennium tour, that how it was supposed to be before everything went tits up. Um, so I'm actually looking forward to, to watching that. I'm not going to lie to you. I've put my set the reminder for that because I think that's going to be really dope to see because obviously we only know from the Love and Hip Hop saga and what the blogs are reporting about Fizz and April. But there were so many other things with Rasby, with other people in the team that went wrong and... And that kind of contributed to the breakdown of that of the group officially and them not being able to tour on the Millennium Tour. So I'm really intrigued to see what that documentary is about. But yeah, as for his performance on the Versus Battle, Mario said, I'm going to remind you guys one time why I'm one of the best. And I think his Vlad interview, talking about his mother's drug addiction and her death, was really, really powerful. And it was just amazing to see that he's actually been one of the few stars that's been around for a very long time that's never had any public controversy. He's just really just been doing him. He does his shows, he collects his bag, he releases a song, and he keeps it moving. Him and Chris Brown even have a song together, which is really, really good. And I love that even Chris Brown, um, you know, credits Mario as one of like, you know, kind of like the OGs in this R&B thing for the millennium anyways. Um, actually, is it the millennium or the early, should I say the 2000s rather? Because I feel like he's more of a 2000s artist, not a millennium artist. Um, but yeah, you get what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, Mario really did, did just come to show that he is what R&B is and what R&B needs. 
Speaking of which, Usher's tiny desk. What? Usher's tiny desk was incredible. Like, come on now. I mean, we knew it was going to be lit. That's why it got, like, it raked up the millions of views within a few hours. Like, we knew it was going to be that good. Like, we knew it. And especially after that versus battle, we needed something to uplift our spirits, to remind us that R&B is a real genre and there are real singers in it. Because what that versus battle showed us is that a lot of these men cannot sing without the auto-tune. But Usher came to remind us that, uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's just them. That's just them people there, Okay. The real artists, the real stars, the seasoned artists, the ones that love their craft, the ones that actually have spent decades perfecting their craft. Oh, we do this for real. And, oh, it was beautiful. He took me down memory lane. I was remembering my childhood listening to them songs. I was like, yes. To be fair, a lot of those songs um, when came out a few years, like, not even a few years, almost like 10 years before I was even born. But when I was young, I still knew this was good music. And obviously, having a dad who who's a DJ, at the time and loves music. It was amazing because I, I got privy to all of these songs from a very, very young age and I just knew I love R&B. I just knew it because the sounds I would hear, Usher, the Jodeceys, the uh, New Edition, uh, all of that, like I, I just knew I, this, is a, this is the genre for me. Like I love all music to a degree, excluding metal and heavy rock and all of that stuff, but to a degree, I love all music, even EDM, all of that stuff. I do enjoy it in, in phases. Um, but R&B, I knew, took my heart when I first heard those artists I just mentioned to you. So, yeah, that tiny desk was brilliant. And I was so happy to see Eric Bellinger. Eric Bellinger. I don't even know why he's not more famous. It kind of annoys me. Like, he's low-key a goat. Like, Eric Bellinger has written for everybody you know. So when he says, his little tagline I love is like, this gonna be your favorite song. That's his tagline, right? He puts that in the beginning of almost all of his songs. And it's not a lie because even if this song you're listening to isn't gonna be your favorite song, any of the songs that he's written will probably be your favorite song. So yeah, that man is so, so talented and I was so happy that Usher took him on tour with, um, and, and Vado as well. Shout out to Vado because Vado has been in this thing for a while as well took them on tour with him and they've kind of been BVing for Usher for a minute now and I really, really love that because it's time that that generation of artists actually start making, opening those doors and making way for this new generation of artists because what I've noticed is that unless there's clout attached to it, a lot of these um, previous generation artists are not really keen to show love um, and it's, it's not right because there are so many new stars um, being born every day, um, that are dedicated to the craft, that are committed to what they're doing, that deserve the love and the shine. Um, so I'm just glad that, even though it's been well over a decade that Eric Benninger's been doing, was yeah, well over almost two decades of Eric Benninger doing this thing, he's finally getting that recognition he deserves. And I just love that he stayed true to his craft. That's another thing I really do appreciate about Tank as well. He's just stayed true to the genre. He's never swayed. He's never been, you know, tempted to kind of deviate. And I, and I love that because R&B needs that. It needs people that are committed to it, people that are passionate about it, and people that love it. Woo, guys, we did that. We did that. In this heat, you guys stuck with me. We have laughed. We have cursed. No, we have not cursed, but we have told some truths that we, you know, are not always comfortable to hear. I've shared my opinions on a few things. But I did say that I had two more things I wanted to kind of talk about before. I wrap up and I'm going to start with something completely different, which I found really, really interesting. It was Mo Farah's documentary that came out uh, the other day. And it, you know, one of the things that was highlighted in the documentary was his trafficking experience 
which was honestly so sad and disturbing to hear, but also, again, so inspirational and amazing to see how, despite those awful circumstances in which he was brought into the current country, he became and is one of the UK's most successful athletes. I mean, how often does that happen? It just really doesn't. His story is a testimony and is one to truly, I think, listen to and be inspired by. But of course, of course, Twitter, the one place, that place is full of seriously not okay people. Um, when the documentary came out and people were sharing their opinions, sharing their thoughts, you had a group of people on there that unfortunately just have no sense of humanity, have no sense of understanding, have no sense of empathy. Um, just make you even wonder, are you even human? Because honestly, the discourse was honestly disgusting. It was vile. Um, people saying that he should be grateful that he was brought here, not anywhere else. Um, you know, people saying that, you know, well, so what if that's your experience, you know? You're, you're one of the, you're, you know, you're rich now, you, you have money, you're a world-renowned athlete, so like, get over it. And I just thought, are we that disconnected from reality? Like, is this how out of tune we are? But aside from that kind of stupid sex, and I will call them stupid because you have to be stupid to get online and say such dense things and have no, like, I, I guarantee you majority of those people haven't actually watched the documentary. And, and they've just run to come online and, and spew hateful narratives, hateful rhetorics, because deep down they're upset that this guy who has come from the most unfortunate of circumstances that doesn't look like them is more successful than they'll ever be. And has done something for the country that they can never do. I think that that's what it is. That's my personal opinion. Anyways, on the positive side, there were a lot of people that were truly, truly humbled and inspired by his journey. That were so proud of him for sharing his story. Of course, there was a section of online that made a lot of jokes as well, saying, you know, if, he were, if this had happened now, he would have been deported because, you know, Preeti Patel and all them things there. Um, but I just found it so interesting how, you know, his family having, you know, fled from Somalia, his father being killed, and then him being trafficked by a woman he did not know in Djibouti, over to the UK, preparing him fake documents, coming to Hounslow, West London, took away the only contact to his family and his identity that he had, and then wasn't even allowed to go to school until 12. Is it not crazy to you? Because it's crazy to me. But what I found amazing was how the school responded to finding out that he was a refugee. How they responded to him, because it's quite literally what saved his life. Doing PE, doing sports, is what saved his life. That PE teacher contacting social services saved his life. And the fact that he was able to be put into a foster family of another Somali family, which means that he was in some ways reconnected and reunited with what he left behind, with the last place that he knew any sort of uh, joy, maybe peace, happiness, or sense of identity was amazing. One of the things I really love about life is that we have a decision of how we're going to live it. We have a choice of how we can live it. Things happen, life happens, and unfortunately some things happen to us that are beyond our control, like this particular situation with Mo Farah. But by the intervention of the right people, look at him today. And that's why I always say, 
everybody has a part to play in everybody's life. Because this kid could have just been another tragic story that we read on the news that died, that got lost in the foster system, in jail. But because other people who were in touch with their humanity, who saw a child in distress, who understood his situation, gave him a chance. They gave this guy a chance at life. And that will always be what that school, those teachers, social workers, that foster family will be remembered for. For helping birth one of the world's most amazing athletes. And then he was able to be reunited with his family. I just thought that was beautiful. On the other side of this, and you're probably thinking, girl, where are you going with this now? Because I'm about to talk about Soldier Boy. Yes, I am. As I finish off the show. <laughs> there was a LimeWire advert. You know, LimeWire has been rebranding. I don't know if you guys have seen that. If you haven't seen the LimeWire rebrand, literally Google it because it's quite interesting. But it's now been relaunched as an NFT marketplace. And Soldier Boy has got his hands on the promo, which I thought was legendary because a lot of us were introduced to LimeWire because of Soldier Boy trying to get that crack, that song, and then end up downloading viruses and all other kinds of things um, on your laptop. But it was mainly because we wanted that Soldier Boy song. So the fact that after all these years, it's Soldier Boy that's helping relaunch it is incredible. But again, goes to show that life is really what you make it. We laugh at Soldier Boy. He has his crackhead moments. We have to be honest, he definitely has some cracked out moments because Drake! I really do need him to put down the pipe. But what I will say is that he clearly loves what he does. And as well as making songs that literally define a whole era of music, he's been producing, writing, getting involved in technology. And people clowned him for these things. Don't get it twisted. People clowned him for these things until they realised their favourite song was produced by him. People were clowning him for these things. And, you know, the whole, he was the first to do this, he was the first to do that. I mean, he wasn't wrong. He was the first to do many of the things that we now appreciate about social media. He was the first. He took a risk, he took a gamble, but he knew what he wanted to do. He loved what he did and he took a chance and he did it. Shout out to everyone that believed in him along the way because we wouldn't have the entertainment that we have today. We wouldn't have that amazing era of music, of oversized clothes and crack that music. That was an era. I, I had a good time. I ain't gonna lie to you. But yeah, I just loved that despite the fact that it's a new generation, there's so many other things going on, he's still able to do what he loves and redefine himself and redefine his craft. My point being, although the stories are so opposite, so contrasting, don't give up. Don't give up. It doesn't matter how you start. It just matters how you finish. That's a wrap. If you liked what you heard here today, then you don't want to miss up when we go live next. Twice a month on a Thursday from 7pm at the Music of the Soul radio live station. Follow the socials at Talk to the A to B for more information. And don't feel shy to use the hashtag to let us know your thoughts. Who knows? We might read it on air. Until next time. Bye.